For the last six weeks here at Trinity, we've been looking at the lures, the temptations that the devil loves to to dangle in front of people. And Good Friday is filled with them. Just think of Jesus' closest friends, his disciples. The devil dangled that lure of boasting in front of them. Imagine for a moment a, a gathering of the closest friends you have, something we can't do right now. And in that gathering, there's, there's a celebration and joy, a meal of food prepared by somebody else. And there's this expression of closeness with God. And then there's an argument. Not about politics, not about how to deal with a pandemic, not about sports, but about who's the best, who is the greatest. The devil dropped this lure of boasting in front of the disciples, and they bit hard. A reading from Luke chapter 22. A dispute also rose among them as to which of them was considered to be the greatest. Jesus said to them, The kings of the Gentiles lord it over them, and those who exercise authority over them call themselves benefactors. But you are not to be like that. Instead, the greatest among you should be like the youngest, and the one who rules like the one who serves. For who is greater, the one who is at the table or the one who serves? Is it not the one who is at the table? But I am among you as one who serves. You are those who have stood by me in my trials, and I confer on you a kingdom just as my Father conferred one on me, so that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. This is God's word. In a very specific way, a lure was placed in front of Jesus' most trusted disciples, Judas. I don't know if we would call Judas trusted. And yet back then, that's exactly what described Judas. You you see, one of the other disciples, Matthew, was a tax collector. That that meant he was good with money. He was good with keeping track of it, running a spreadsheet, and, and, and keeping all the details. But back then, no one trusted a tax collector, to be honest. Judas, though? They trusted him, and so the disciples put Judas in charge of their money. But the devil knew his weakness. His weakness was money. Really wanting more money. And so the devil lure dropped that lure in front of Judas, and it, it almost became like an addiction. He kept wanting more He took some of the money for himself. It was an emergency. Then he did it again. 
he had to pay a bill. And then again, no one had found out yet that they won't again. And then again. Eventually, there was such a big lure, a big payoff, he, he couldn't resist. The devil dangled that lure of betrayal in front of Judas. And he bid. A reading from Matthew chapter 26. Then one of the twelve, the one called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priests and asked, What are you willing to give me if I deliver him over to you? So, they counted out for him 30 pieces of silver. From then on, Judas walked for an opportunity to hand him over. And then later, in the same chapter, it says, While Jesus was still speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, arrived. With him was a large crowd armed with swords and clubs sent from the chief priests and the elders of the people. Now the betrayer had arranged arranged a signal with them. The one I kiss is the man, arrest him. Going at once to Jesus, Judas said, Greetings, Rabbi. Kissed him. Jesus replied, Do what you came for, friend. This is God's word. Have you ever seen a, a picture or, or video of yourself and wondered, Wow, am, am I that gray? Or do I really sound like that? Or do I really look like that? You see, sometimes our image of ourselves is a little off from reality. And the same can be true of our own actions. We often think that we would behave better and do better until we get into a specific situation. Peter learned that the hard way. I mean, he's Peter, right? He's loud, he's big, he's bold, he, he, he's a man of action. He's someone who's used to, to making decisions right in the moment, decisions that need to, be, need to be made right then and there. And Well, it served him well in life. He, he was a business partner of a, of a small fishing business. He was a man that was confident. But then he learned that if your confidence is in yourself, you're going to be disappointed. Peter gave in to that lure of denial. A reading from Matthew chapter 26. Now Peter was sitting out in the courtyard, and a servant girl came to him. You also were with Jesus of Galilee, she said. But he denied it before them all. I don't know what you're talking about, he said. Then he went out to the gateway, where another servant girl saw him and said to the people there, This fellow was with Jesus of Nazareth. He denied it again with an oath. 
I don't know the man. After a little while, those standing there went up to Peter and said, Surely you are one of his disciples, for your accent gives you away. Then he began to call down curses, and he swore to them, I don't know the man. Immediately, the rooster crowed. And Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken. Before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. These are the words of our Lord. Giving in can be a very tempting lure sometimes. When that four-year-old has been screaming for what seems like hours because they want another ice cream treat, it is so easy to give in and just say, fine, here it is. When everyone else is eating that yummy dessert and you're the only one who's on a diet, it is so tempting to, to take a slice. When everyone else just leaves their dishes around the house, it's so easy to, to give in and let someone else deal with those dirty dishes. It, giving in is a very tempting lure of Satan. Even when it means life or death. Pontius Pilate was a man of position and power. But that position and power could be taken away and replaced. That money, that, that reputation could be replaced with ridicule and punishment from Caesar himself. Losing that, giving in and, and passing on the responsibility to someone else, that Pilate took the bait. A reading from Matthew chapter 27. While Pilate was sitting on the judge's seat, his wife sent him this message. Don't have anything to do with him, with that innocent man. For I have suffered a great deal today in a dream because of him. But the chief priests, and the elders persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas and to have Jesus executed. Which of the two do you want me to release to you? Asked the governor. Barabbas, they answered. What shall I do then with Jesus who is called the Messiah? Pilate asked. They all answered him. Crucify him. Why? What crime has he committed? asked Pilate, but they shouted all the louder, Crucify him! And Pilate saw that he was getting nowhere, but that instead an uprising was starting. He took water and washed his hands in front of the crowd. I am innocent of this man's blood, he said. It is your responsibility. All the people shouted, His blood is on us and on our children. Then he released Barabbas to them. But he had Jesus flogged. 
and handed him over to be crucified. This is God's Word. Of course, Satan's lures were not just for everyone else. They were also for Jesus, too. And probably one of Satan's strongest temptations for Jesus was to just skip past the pain and the suffering and go to immediate pleasure. It was actually something the devil dangled in front of Jesus three years before. At the very beginning of his ministry, Satan was there, dangling that temptation to to go past the suffering and the pain to the immediate pleasure. Just bow down and worship him, and then Jesus would have everything. Well, that same temptation was there in the Garden of Gethsemane the, the night before Jesus died. He could go past that that pain and suffering to the immediate pleasure, but often when that happens, it results in long-term pain. And that is certainly the case for us. If Jesus had had skipped past the suffering and the pain, it would mean long-term pain, eternal pain for us. Jesus didn't give in to that. Instead, he submitted himself to his Father's will. He went to the cross for you and me. A reading from Luke 22. Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples followed him. On reaching the place, he said to them, Pray that you will not fall into temptation. He withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, knelt down, and prayed, Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. An angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him, and being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. This is the word of our Lord. Jesus did not give up. He chose to stay on the cross. His love for us kept him on the cross. The the nails did not keep him on the cross. The soldiers did not block his escape. He let them whip him. He chose to extend his arms for the nails. The reason he stayed there and did not give up is because of his great love for us. He wanted us with him in heaven. But the devil did not let up. To add insult to injury, literally, The devil dangled that lure of uh, making fun of Jesus. As Jesus was taking breaths ever closer to his last, the devil made sure people were making fun of him. Luke chapter 23. The people stood watching, and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, he saved others. Let him save himself if he is God's Messiah, the Chosen One. 
the soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was a written notice above him which read, The king of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence? We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve, but this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, Truly, I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. This is the word of our God. Do you think those who cared about Jesus despaired? How could they not? Jesus' mother who was there, the, the other women, uh, the disciple John, how could they not despair? Life as they knew it was over. No more miracles, no more learning from Jesus, no more, it was all gone. Their friend, their, their teacher, their Lord, their Savior. He was almost dead. How, how could they not despair? But not all was as it seemed. The devil was about to win. He had dropped so many lures in front of people and so many bit down hard on them. Jesus was almost dead. Jesus was defeated. The devil was victorious. But not all was as it seemed. The religious leaders of the day were almost finally done with Jesus. That this guy who had ridiculed them, who, who had accused them of not listening to God's Word. Who, this guy who, who defied them. He was about to be gone. But not all was as it seemed. Their life was over. Their hope in Jesus was a false hope. No more miracles, no more learning, nothing like that. There are fools to follow him. He was about to die. Yeah, they gave in to despair. But not all was as it seemed. What seemed like the devil's victory. What seemed like Jesus' defeat. What seemed like the disciples' hope was, was a false hope. What seemed like despair. The, the, the devil had won. But not all was as it seemed. 
it is finished. Almost sounds like a, a statement of defeat. But in reality, it was a statement of accomplishment. It is finished. Our sins were paid for. It is finished. All of God's promises were kept. It is finished. Death was given so that life would be given for us. It is finished. Salvation and eternal life is ours. It is finished. Despair gives way to hope. Not all was as it seemed. John chapter 19. Later, knowing that everything had now been finished, and so that the Scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I'm thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked it in a sponge and put a, a sponge on a stalk of a hyssop plant and lifted it to Jesus' lips. When he had received that drink, Jesus said, It is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. As evening approached, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who had himself become a disciple of Jesus. Going to Pilate, he asked for Jesus' body, and Pilate ordered that it be given to him. Joseph took the body, wrapped it in a clean linen cloth, and placed it in his own new tomb that he had cut out of the rock. He rolled a big stone in front of the entrance to the tomb and went away. Cross. 